of touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. And on this episode, we will be talking to Mr. OJ Spivey. He works for the Philadelphia Tribune and he covers the Philadelphia Eagles, who will be participating in the Super Bowl on Sunday. Of course, up first, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Whether you tune in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio, Go ahead and subscribe so that way you don't miss any of the episodes uh, when they drop. Also, there is a rating system on Spotify. Go ahead and rate the show. Five stars is preferred. (laughs) Also, on Apple Podcasts, there is a rating system there. Again, five stars is preferred. (laughs) And there is also a way to leave a review. I thank you in advance. Now, of course, before we get to... Talking to Mr. O.J. Spivey, we are going to do the Get Off Your Chest segment. Now, of course, like I mentioned in the previous episode, we're doing it a little bit different this month. Talking a little black history um, and maybe talking about players uh, in terms of maybe big moments they had in their career or moments they had in their career as well. So for this episode, we're going to talk about Clyde Drexler. Now, Clyde Drexler was a very, very talented player. He was drafted in 1990, excuse me, 1983, the first round, 14th, 14th overall pick by the Portland Trailblazers. Now, he played his career there from 1983 to 1995. If you know anything about those dates, a particular gentleman with the Chicago Bulls, was drafted a year after he was, and Clyde Drexler played through the same era that he was in. That guy I'm speaking of, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. And throughout his career, Clyde Drexler was considered by many the second best shooting guard in the NBA because of Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Now, the thing is, Jordan got drafted a year after he did. And, you know, plenty like to talk about how Michael Jordan was not drafted by the Portland Trailblazers. Um, you know, it's just plenty talk about that. And they drafted a big guy out of Kentucky. I know I'm not going to continue to mention his name because I'm pretty sure people have mentioned his name over and over again and kind of uh, dragged the Portland Trailblazers for drafting him. But, Michael Jeffrey Jordan did not get drafted by them because Clyde Drexler was already there. They believed in Clyde Drexler. Now, in the end, it didn't help that Michael Jordan beat them a couple times in the finals. Or beat them in the finals, I would say. And, of course, he showed out a little bit against them, too. So, it didn't help that that happened, but... Clyde was definitely a very, very talented player coming out of the University of Houston. Now, 
The reason why I mentioned the University of Houston again is because in 1995, on the second half of the season, he got traded to the Houston Rockets, which would send him back to the place where he played college ball and also send him to play with his former college teammate, Hakeem the Dream, Elijah Wan. Now, him and Elijah Wan would come together like their Houston days, but this time they would win the title. Yes, 1995, this trade, they won the title with that trade. That would be the only title of Clyde Drexler's career. Now, he finished his career as a 10-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA second team. Uh, Of course, he made All-NBA first team in 1992 as well. Of course, his jersey is retired by the Portland Trailblazers and the Houston Rockets. But on February 10th in 1998, he joined an exclusive club that only John Havlicek, Oscar Robertson, and Jerry West were the members of at that time. That club was having 6,000 assists and 20,000 points. Think about that. Only four people in that club, four, and Clyde Drexler is one of them. I think people kind of underestimate the greatness of Clyde Drexler. He's a career 20.4 point per game score. Yeah, he averaged on his career 20.4 points per game, 6.1 rebounds per game, and 5.6 assists. He was an excellent, excellent player. It just... He played at the same era as Michael Jordan, and he really didn't get the kind of publicity and notoriety, you know, of course, playing in Portland as well. But just wanted to take a second and recognize his moment that he had on February 10th, 1998, and kind of give him some love for that, being the fourth member of the 20,000 point, 6,000 assist club. Clyde Drexler, a shooting guard that many should remember, but many don't think about often when it comes to great players in the 80s and 90s. That's been the Get It Off the Chest segment for this episode. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Mr. OJ Spivey on tour in the AMC South with your host, Mike Patton. Going through some things and not quite sure who to turn to? Well, let me tell you about Peace of Mind Counseling and Life Coaching. They offer services ranging from mental health counseling, parenting classes, life coaching services, therapy, alcohol and drug assessments, and so much more. And all the services are monitored by licensed supervisors. Also, they're currently offering free consultations for counseling or life coaching. All you need to do to get started is reach out to them online at www.peacemindclc.com or give them a call at 615-930-1230 to get started. Again, you can reach out to them online at www.peacemindclc.com or give them a call at 615-930-1230. So if you feel you need to talk to someone or know someone that needs to talk to someone, Take the time to reach out to Peace of Mind Counseling and Life Coaching, where the motto is, it costs you your peace of mind, then it is too expensive. 
Welcome back to Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. And in case you've been under a rock, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs will be facing each other in the Super Bowl in Arizona. Again, first time in NFL history, two black quarterbacks facing each other. But we're going to go to the Philadelphia perspective on this episode. We're going to talk to Mr. OJ Spivey, who covers the Eagles for the Philadelphia Tribune. What's going on, man? Hey, Mike, thanks for having me on. Glad to be glad to be here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming on. Now, I want to get people to get to know you just a little bit. So I want to talk about your writing journey. Now, when did you kind of get started and get involved in writing? Well, actually, it's been pretty new for me. Uh, writing has been uh, a shift uh, in my journey, uh, in my career in uh, media and uh, journalism. Uh, I started out as a radio guy, um, and you know when I wanted to get into this business, all I wanted to do was be a radio talk show host, be a sports talk show host, and I got to do that uh, pretty much about a decade ago, um, and I, I fell into that uh, after I went to broadcast school. I decided that's what I wanted to do and try to make that into a living, and ended up doing that for four years uh, here in Philadelphia uh, at. Uh, one of the local stations here. Um, but after that ended, <clears throat> in between, um, I got my start in writing and it was just by chance. And a lot what happens in this business is uh, being at the right place at the right time. And before I uh, became a talk show host, I did what they call, you know, we call it podcasting now, as we do now, Mike, but uh, you go back about um, 15 years ago, uh, this new platform was just called uh, internet radio or online radio uh, to where, you know, you had this type of platform. And I did that for a couple of years and that got me into uh, doing radio here locally in Philadelphia. But back when I did that podcast, uh, I had a guest on and she was a actually a beat writer uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, she had since moved on to ESPN. Uh, and became a uh, became one of the editors there for ESPN.com. And one day, um, one Saturday morning, she sent me a she sent me a message and said, "Hey, there's a um, there's a uh, there's a panel discussion uh, that's coming that's uh, going to be at Temple University here in Philadelphia, and Eagles uh, defensive back Michael Jenkins uh, was going to be part of the panel." So she needed someone to um, cover that and write a story on it. And this and this is for, since this is for the undefeated, now Anscape as we know it now. Um, but in those days it was the undefeated and it was just a story. So me, I'm calling around all my journal friends or journalist friends, you know, who write for different publications, this, that, and the third um, here in Philadelphia. And no one would pick up the phone. <laughs> no one answered me. I either got an answer machine or, uh, you know, a voicemail rather, or I got a uh, no answer at all. No one picked up the phone. And I'm, sit I'm sitting there in a, in a coffee shop and I'm saying, okay, um, I'm just going to, you know, do this favor uh, for a former guest of mine and everything who reached out. And then just something hit me. Maybe that was just a guy hit me on the head and said, you know what? Why don't you take a crack at this? Why don't you take a crack at writing? And I had really no formal training. Um, even when I went to broadcast school, it was more of a crash course. 
Um, and that was more so on the technological side for radio and television. But I did have a crash course in journalism, um, which is, you know, just the very basics. Um, but it happened that evening. Um, I went up to Temple's campus, uh, went, went uh, to the panel discussion. I was nervous as heck. And mind you, I'm, you know, already in my 40s at this point. Uh, you know, I wanted to get in this business. I tried to break in this business about um, age 33, age, four, age 34. Um, but I went down there that night and I got to interview Malcolm Jenkins, got to interview the other people on the panel. Uh, I went to write the story. I didn't know exactly what the heck I was doing, um, but it worked out because I did do some blogging before for uh, different websites. Um, good friend of mine um, who was a local DJ, I did some uh, blogging for her website. Um, but, you know, 24 hours later, I had a story on a national publication, Undefeated. And from there, uh, I was able to do a handful of stories uh, with them. Um, anywhere from, again, interviewing Malcolm Jenkins, interviewing Kevin Hart, and then the pinnacle of that was interviewing Julia Serving, Dr. J, who was my childhood idol. And, you know, that, that was an experience in itself because I'm looking face to face at someone who I grew up to watch, I grew up watching to play. And I'm like, okay, this is full circle here. Like, what is going on? Like, you know, this is Dr. J, you know? So, and uh, it's a funny story with that too, that I'll get into it another time. Uh, Cause he had a, he had a, um, a golf gala that he holds every year, charity event every year. And uh, I was supposed to interview him. Um, I was supposed to interview him during a big three uh, tournament. Cause you know, the big three, you know, they, they right. do the, they do the, um, they do the circuit, you know, different cities every year. And that's particularly here. They came into Philadelphia and, you know, I went down there to interview him after because he's one of the coaches. I went down there to interview him after the uh, game and kind of find out he doesn't do interviews. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, what am I going to do? I called the editor. I said, okay, what am I going to do? And it, again, this is just all the journey of just being a journalist. Like everything goes well until you can't get the interview that you want. You can't get the story. But anyway, um, as people reached out to me and about a month later, I was able to um, I was able to interview Dr. J, but basically that's how my journey started in journalism. And then a few years later, um, within these past couple of years, I, um, made a stop at the, at the Tribune where I am now, and I'm writing different stories and everything. And just writing here locally for one of the, uh, the longest running, um, black publications in the country. You know, that's a blessing for me, too, because I'm in touch with my community uh, as well. Um, and, you know, I get to do another one of my dreams, and that's to cover my local teams, especially the Eagles and, of course, their Super Bowl run. So that's basically the cliff notes of it. It can get a little <laughs> deeper than that, but um, that's just my journey. And I, and I often tell people as well, you know, and as I've told you, um, off air that my, my journey is still ongoing as, as a 50 year old black male in this business, my journey is still ongoing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, definitely. Uh, you know, I don't have very much formal training as well. So I, I kind of learned a lot <laughs> of by trial and error and reading other people sure. like, uh, like, uh, Bill Roden and, and people like that, just kind of learning from there. So I, I got to I'm meet definitely... him by the way, uh, by at the, uh, <clears throat> NFC championship mm -hmm. game. And, uh, 
you know, I wasn't expecting them there. I mean, I should have because, you know, just everybody comes for those games, just all around the country, national columnists and everything. So, and he was great. He was very, very gracious to me. So, um, you know, keep on reading those guys like that and all. And again, you know, just as far as sharing my journey and everything, I do that for uh, people as yourself, um, both black men and women who are just trying to navigate uh, through this um, through this crazy business because it, it it is crazy and just trying to get your foot in the door in different places. Right, right. Now, we did get everyone to get to know you a little bit, but we want to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles as well. So <laughs> sure. I've got to understand, I've got to, got to ask you, since you've been there the entire season, what is it? what was it like watching this team this year for you? It was amazing, um, and, and, and it, it just seemed to get more impressive week by week. And, of course, they started out, what was it, a 8-0, 9-0 um, before their first loss. Um, but it was very impressive to just not only see this team uh, evolve, uh, but to just see them dominate their opponents for the most part. And, you know, and, and the pinnacle of that, the, I'm going to say not the pinnacle, but the uh, core of that is, of course, uh, quarterback Jalen Hurts, who – is on the verge of going 17 and 0 if he, you know, takes care of business in the Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, his evolution alone was just amazing. And, you know, you've talked about this before. I've talked about it. Um, you know, we've been on we've been on Jalen's side at the very beginning. Um, so when he was drafted uh, back in uh, 2020, um, and, you know, he, he just, in my opinion, he just needed time. And uh, the Eagles thought enough about him uh, around. They thought enough of him to surround him with players like AJ Brown, um, Devontae Smith on defense, Hassan Reddick, and uh, those guys to just see to just make a run at it. And you see what has happened. And you know the, these guys are on the verge of this franchise is on the verge of winning their second Super Bowl uh, in five years. So it was just fun to watch, um, and it's even just fun to watch. Uh, these guys in the trenches, just the offensive line, defensive line, uh, they're well coached, uh, all those things. And also uh, interviewing these guys and, you know, they just stayed focused the whole time. They stayed, uh, you know, each week I go down in a locker room after games and um, their their mood doesn't change, their focus doesn't change. And um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do uh, come Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely looking forward to seeing it. Um, now, I got to ask you, you know, what surprised you the most about this team this year? What surprised me the most? Um, probably the ease of, of that, the ease of how they've won a lot of games, most of their games, uh, how they're just taking people off the ball in the trenches. Again, both the offensive line and defensive line, um, they're just controlling the line of scrimmage and that's the most fun thing to watch. And, you know, I knew the offensive line uh, is, you know, the uh, probably the most the most seasoned and the, uh, the unit that has the most uh, experience. And, you know, sometimes you think, okay, is somebody like a Jason Kelsey getting old? Is Lane Johnson getting old? I mean, but these guys are all playing like they're, you know, three-year three -year, uh, veterans. And you wouldn't think. And again, it goes back to them being well coached. Um, and also, I would even say another surprise to me is uh, the player Hassan Reddick uh, on defense. 
And we thought he would get, you know, a few sacks. We thought he would get maybe, you know, uh, some double-digit sacks and everything, which he uh, set an NFL record getting double-digit sacks for three different teams and three different years. Uh, but for him to be on the cusp of not only breaking a franchise record, but also flirting uh, with the NFL record, um, and not only just the sacks, just the way he's just been dominating uh, on defense. And you've seen that in the playoffs, what he did to uh, Daniel Jones with the Giants. Uh, he literally knocked out both San Francisco quarterbacks, <laughs> the only two healthy quarterbacks that they had. You saw that. And, um, you know, I thought he was good, um, but I didn't realize how great a player that he is and what a fantastic athlete he is. So, um you know, the, the trenches with both lines and probably even more so Hassan Reddit. Gotcha. <clears throat> okay, now you tapped on it a little bit earlier, but I'm going to go into the talk about Jalen Hurts. Now, of course, lots of talk about him going into this season. Of course, with the, the finish down in Tampa Bay, wasn't very impressive. People were right. thinking, oh, they're going to go get a veteran quarterback for this team. They need one. But they stuck with him. So... Mm -hmm. You know, he got a lot of criticism going into this season. Now, in your opinion, do you think it was kind of warranted? I mean, he held it with class, I will say. Uh, but in your opinion, do you think some of the criticism was warranted? Or do you think that's more of kind of the stigma of what people think about black quarterbacks? Yeah, it, it's one thing to criticize, you know, criticize a player, criticize an athlete overall and everything. But it was just the way he was criticized. And, you know, when it comes to black quarterbacks and, you know, we see it with Lamar Jackson, we've seen, you know, we've just seen it over a, you know, over decades now and going back to, you know, I'm old enough to have seen um, Randall Cunningham play, you know, in his prime um, with the Eagles and everything. And the same thing I heard 30 years ago or the same things that I'm here, I heard about Jayla Hurts. It's like, okay, um, he can't read defenses. You got to play in a pocket. Um, it's a thinking man's position. He's just a running quarterback. You know, you, you know all the phrases, uh, right? So um, that's what it was. And it, it was it got pretty nasty. And it's one thing to hear it from a national perspective um, because, you know, most of those guys are talking heads. But from a local perspective, um, even with some of the writers here and everything, it was nasty work. Um, and, you know, most people just thought he was just going to be a bridge for the next guy. And another thing you have to understand and, and put in perspective is the last guy that was here, Carson Wentz. Eagles invested a lot of resources in Carson Wentz. You know, they moved up twice in the draft, um, as you remember, when they uh, picked them in 2016, the second pick. Um, and then after that, after the Super Bowl run, uh, they gave him an extension, a, a huge extension, right? And he was he was deemed to be the quarterback of this franchise for at least a decade, you know, maybe even 12, maybe even 15 years, as you see with, you know, a lot of uh, quarterbacks in, in this league uh, with longevity. And when that didn't happen, when it got um, when it got ugly so fast, you've heard you heard um, reports about him being difficult, being uncoachable, uh, being coddled, being spoiled. And the day, the very day that Jalen Hurts got picked, and even more so the very day that he walked into uh, their facility, he exuded that locker room from day one. And 
the players that I've have confirmed that he he exuded he exuded that confidence and you probably know Mike and just uh, even in, like in a corporate world and everything and you know you're in a um, you're in a conference room or you're at a convention or something like that and a person walks in you know they have that presence it's like it's that quiet confidence and that's what Jalen Hurst exuded uh, the ent- entire time since he walked into the Eagles facility um, and you know Carson could not handle that and when you're in, when you also in a room with someone who's a little bit insecure um you know that can that cannot end well and that's pretty much what happened with Carson Wentz and he ended up demanding the trade it, it affected his play for one uh which was critical and number two you know it forced him to you know he forced a trade for the Eagles which and mind you they did not want to trade him they did not because they had they had invested so many resources in him but getting Jalen Hurts for insurance, um, that was basically what their objective was in getting him. And you even said that you think he would play. Um, I thought he would get some run in his rookie year, but you just see the evolution now. Um, and again, the criticism is that a lot of people just didn't want him here um, because they, they knew that the Eagles had invested so much in Carson Wentz. And there was just a lot of Carson Wentz fans here and they just did not want to. And, who knows? Maybe we've had enough black quarterbacks here in Philadelphia going back to, you know, Vic <laughs> McNabb, um, uh, Cunningham, even, you know, even throw Rodney Pete in there and everything. Even though after Jalen had that um, terrible game versus Tampa Bay, they wanted to get Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson or Deshaun Watson in here. Just anybody but Jalen, it, it got that bad. Mm. Mm. So, with that being said, how have you noticed his development uh, from last season to this season? Um, I think that's just basically putting the work in. Uh, well, a couple things. It's putting the work in and it's time. You know, um, most quarterbacks in this league don't hit the ground running. Most of them don't come into the league and be blasted out of a cannon. You know, you see it in some instances with some rookies and all. I mean, you look at Patrick Mahomes' first year. Um, you know, he, he played, he played very well, but you know, he wasn't there yet. It wasn't really till his second year specifically that, you know, he became, uh, what we know as today as, you know, arguably the best quarterback in the league. Um, and you know, Jalen just needed time. And another thing that, um, people failed to realize, and it was clear cut and, but people failed to realize and they just used it as an excuse or thought that it was an excuse that uh, this year, 2022 season, is the first year that Jalen Hurts has been in the exact same offense with the exact same offensive coordinator since his father in high school, since playing mm-hmm. for his father in high school. And people were just dismissing that as, you know, that's not a factor. And you know, um, in this league with quarterbacks and everything, consistency is key. Doing the same routine, you know, having to learn a new offense year after year after year. And we've seen that with even other quarterbacks where they've struggled, you know, um, not having consistency, not having stability uh, in key positions. Uh, first of all, head coach, uh, also offense coordinator, quarterback coach, all those things. Quarterbacks need that consistency to even just learn an offense. And his second year in the system, and he pretty much had, had told people that, you know, um, you know, it's my second year in the system. Um, I'm much more comfortable. And, you know, you see you see what happened. 
and right. you know just by that alone um and also he putting putting the work in um throws that he made last year the throws that he struggled with last year as soon as i saw it at training camp it was like night and day out patterns uh throws across the middle uh even getting a ball out quickly more quickly and everything that was all improved in the beginning of you know and just the first week of training camp when when i was there you, you saw that improve i said okay um he looks like a different quarterback and he really put the work in um so that's all the changes and the question at that point was again still a lot of skepticism but the question was will that translate into the regular season and boy did it did it translate definitely definitely did definitely did um you know i'm very happy to see it uh i i told people when he got drafted that he's going to be all right He's going to develop and he could potentially be a starter for them. And people looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah. Like I had three yeah. eyes. So. Yeah, exactly. I, I remember you, you were on it from the beginning. So, um, yeah. you know, did I think that he was going to be uh, particularly an MVP candidate? Um, no, I did not think that. Um, I didn't even think that they would reach the Super Bowl um, before the season. Um, I knew they wouldn't win the division. Uh, I knew they would make some noise in playoffs, maybe win a game or two. But, you know, I was trying to, uh, excuse the term, curb my enthusiasm um, as far <laughs> as, you know, the Eagles reaching the Super Bowl. Because people were, there were some people saying it at the beginning of the season, especially when they started out 8-0, um, 9-0, and so forth. Um, but I was like, okay, um, sometimes it's just a maturation process. It's just moving up the, moving up the hill. You know, some teams, they'll get a sniff at the playoffs, get blown out, and then they come back next year, they make some noise, and then maybe it's the third year where you're trying to finally get over the hump. But it's a testament to the organization. Um, GM Howie Roseman, he put all his chips in, but he did a fantastic job doing this, um, putting all the chips in and going for it this year uh, with key free agent uh, acquisitions. But this team is set up to be good for a while. Um, you know, they have two first-round draft picks uh, in this upcoming draft um, in April. Um, and the core of the team is still very young. And that starts with Jalen Hurts. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Indeed it does. Now, for those that have checked out my picture, my new picture for my you know graphics for my podcast, you can tell I have a new image, an updated image. A professional looking image. It's time for you to take control of your image. And you can take control of your professional image with a fresh set of headshots by the good folks of Joshua Silvers Photography. Let Josh at Joshua Silvers Photography handle your personal branding, business headshots, portrait, or any other photographic need with great pricing and even better quality. You can reach him via phone at 423 423- Five five seven six seven four six. Once again, that's four two three five five seven six seven four six. You can also reach him at Instagram at Joshua Silver's Photography, or you can reach him on Facebook. Call Joshua Silver's Photography and get yourself booked today. I know I did, and he's got me looking great. There is another team that is going to be playing on Sunday, and that will be the Kansas City Chiefs. And of course, they will be taking on each other in the desert, Phoenix, Arizona. 
State Farm, uh, the State Farm Stadium, Arena, whatever. But anyway, it's <laughs> uh, but you know the biggest thing that a lot of people have been talking about is the trenches. Of course, you know Philadelphia's offensive and defensive lines are definitely very, very good. I mean, some consider the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line the best offensive line in football. That would be me as well. I, I'd be those people. But um, they have one guy they have to worry about. One guy, I would say that well, – well, I wouldn't say one guy, but i say one guy they need to focus their attention on. His what? name would be Chris Jones. That guy's a monster inside, and they move him around outside as well. So in this game, with, you know, the injuries to Lane Johnson he's playing through and just, um, you know, kind of a little banged up inside, how do you uh, – are do you, are, do you have a level of concern about what Chris Jones could potentially do to the interior of that offensive line? Uh, not really. Um, it doesn't take away the great player that Chris Jones is, and I believe he's a defensive of the year uh, finalist um, this year. Um, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a great player, he's a pass rusher, great pass rusher, causes a lot of havoc. Um, and similar to you know what what the Eagles do on defense, but they have a number of guys starting with Reddit. But uh, I'm not overly concerned because what I saw two weeks ago against San Francisco. Um, Arguably, the person who may get defensive of the year, defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa. I mean, they moved him around like a coffee cup. Um, and if you have to say, probably, if you really have to say who is the weakest link on that Eagles offensive line, it might be Jordan Malata, but Jordan Malata was the one who pancaked Bosa. So even if they move Chris Jones around, he really doesn't have a great matchup where you say, okay, this is a game. I'm going to get a sack here. I mean, things collapse uh, in the pocket sometimes, you know, uh, live and make mistakes and all, but um, they're very well coached um, with their offensive line uh, coach, Jeff Stoutland, who they just um, uh, gave a contract extension to. But if you go, just go down that line, it's really not a weakness and they do a great job of helping too. Uh, so if they have to chip someone, you know, guard has to chip, come out and chip with the tackle and everything. They just always know what to do, where to go. And that that's part of what makes the Eagles offense uh, tough to defend because, I mean, they're just so smart, athletic, and physical up front, strong as well, to where, you know, it, it, if Chris Jones is basically your only pass rusher, they have a number of ways to neutralize him. Gotcha. Okay. Now, of course, you mentioned Hassan Reddick, who has had a great year. And, you know, of course, they list him as a linebacker in the starting lineup, but he really is an edge pass rusher. It's just yeah, edge rusher, right. his face. Right. <laughs> um, now, is it you? do you think it's more Hassan Reddick or the, the scheme or a combination of both that's allowing him to be uh, as great as he has been this year? Well, that's a great question because it, it, it was – that was actually – the question coming in, uh, the way the Eagles play defense, which is, you, you can look at it at the surface that they're, they're pretty a conservative defense and they don't blitz a lot. Um, they rely on their front four to get pressure. And the question coming in uh, when he picked up Reddick was, okay, how is Jonathan Gannon going to use him? And even after the first couple games, actually, I think it wasn't until the second or third week that Hassan Reddick started getting sacks um and i asked reddick and i asked i said to him i said are you comfortable now uh in this defense he said i'm always comfortable i was always comfortable 
Um, you know, just things happen uh, within games, but he said he was always comfortable. And um, it, it's so funny uh, because Jonathan Gannon was interviewed a couple weeks ago and he joked around. He said, listen, um, Reddick would probably have more sacks if I didn't drop him back in coverage sometimes, which which he <laughs> does on a on a on a um, consistent basis. So probably about maybe. 10, 15% of the time, you'll see Reddick in coverage. But, you know, if you find a matchup, they find a matchup and everything, he's he's going to get after the quarterback. Um, but, you know, that, that was just one of the um, lingering questions coming in. How would they use him? Because, again, being an edge rusher, you kind of look more like a blitzer. You know, when you are coming off, you know, when you're coming off that corner on um, on um, tackles and tight ends and everything but it, it's worked to perfection so all right all right now they're going against this kansas city offensive line and you know i i kind of have visions of what happened when they were going against tampa bay in terms of kansas city and he was kind of running around uh, patrick mahomes was and he threw that pass laying laying uh adjacent to the ground and it was a bullet and it hit Mikel hartman right in the face mask but um I kind of envision that potentially happened in this game, given that the Kansas City offensive line hasn't necessarily been great. Do you kind of envision some of that, or do you kind of think they'll hold up a little bit better than those guys did that year? Well, that's that's the goal for the Philadelphia Eagles. And the scary thing is that they're so deep uh, with the defensive line. Um, basically, your starters are, was that Reddick, uh, Josh Schwett, um, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. If you get past those guys, you still got Ndamukansu, um, Linville Joseph. You, you know, you got those guys coming in. So um, they're very quick to rotate um, their defensive line and keep everybody fresh. That's just a, a, a philosophy that the franchise has had for years. Um, so they just have an abundance of, um, you know, defensive linemen, pass rushers. Um, that'll get after the quarterback. And, you know, we're not even talking about rookie Jordan Davis, who's a very good run stopper, um, by the way. Not that, you know, Andy Reid will probably run the ball much. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> but uh, they just give so many problems. And, again, that defensive line is strong. It's physical. Um, it's athletic. They know what to do. Um, even old man Brandon Graham has had double-digit sacks uh, for the first time in his career at 34 years old. So uh, there's really it's really uh, tough to kind of key in on one guy. Let's say if they try to double-team Reddit, that's going to leave Josh Sweat open. That's going to leave um, Brandon Graham open. And, and, and God forbid they put anybody but a tackle on a Hassan Reddit. And, and I called what um, – <laughs> Shanahan did two weeks ago as coaching malpractice. <laughs> I mean, just watching for the press box, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, you know, it's a wonder that he took out both quarterbacks because it was that easy. It was taking like taking candy from a baby. But overall, uh, that's the thought process for the Eagles to just kind of keep uh, contain uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, get him going to his left. Of course, that's where his injury is and everything where he can't plant and all and just kind of force them to you know throw the ball when he doesn't want to and hopefully um cause some mistakes definitely definitely now you mentioned him and i'm going to mention him patrick mahomes some call him jordan cleats i'm sorry i'm talking about bomani bomani jones bomani jones calls him uh jordan 
But, uh, you know, <clears throat> how uncomfortable does he make you feel back there playing quarterback against your Eagles defense? Well, I, I feel uncomfortable because I'm feeling kind of superstitious because I don't believe, you know, I, I'm I'm going to go into the fact that he's not as hurt as he's leading on <laughs> or as the team is leading on because I mean he can do so many things and he, he's really the he's really the quarterback that um, breaks all the rules and when he breaks the rules it, it's like it, he makes it look easy he, he's the ultimate um, improv uh, at the quarterback position he can literally throw a pass behind his back and it'll be a completion we always know about his no looks and everything. You know, he doesn't have to be planted on two feet and uh, traditionally throw the football because he's made a career out of it. So that's scary in itself. I mean, he can just he could just flip it, you know, behind behind his back through his ear, you know, like a Harlem Globetrotter, however, <laughs> and just make the perfect pass to Travis Kelsey. So um, for the Eagles' sake, they just can't take anything for granted about his injury uh, and all. Of course, they're going to try and test it out. Um, and everything because I mean, he, he's basically a chameleon. Somebody had said that, uh, I heard somebody say that earlier today, he's a chameleon. Um, so, you know, he, he's going to give it his all. Um, and again, what you mentioned, you hope that it's a reenactment of uh, the Super Bowl they played against Tampa Bay um, and they'll be able to get after him. But yeah, he, despite his very presence on the field is scary um, because he can, he can make chicken out of chicken crap. So <laughs> always. I hear you there. Now, um, you do have the best, uh, to me, in my opinion, you have the best duo of corners in the NFL, Bradbury and uh, Slay. Um, so with them being out there, do you expect them to kind of mix up a few different coverages per se, or just kind of stick to the things that they usually do to trying to throw off Mahomes? Um, was going to be interesting what they have the cornerbacks do, but I think overall um, you have to mix it up against Mahomes. You just can't play one defense. You can't be in one base uh, with him. Uh, you have to give him some different looks, and um, that's all the more reason to try to uh, contain him in a pocket, get him to move when he where he doesn't want to move, make it uncomfortable with his so with his so called injury, and also again <laughs> you, you just can't play one way. Um, against Patrick Mahomes because he's he's going to eat you up and you know he's he's made a career out of it and that's why you know he's probably is going to win the MVP because again you know he just he's just a mastermind of how you play the position. He definitely is, and he definitely keeps defensive coordinators up at night every single week. <laughs> right. All right, we have reached the end of the show, but we have not reached the end of the actual podcast yet because there's a game. We got five yes. questions. I got two answers for you, and you got to pick one choice. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, who has more yards on Super Bowl Sunday? Ooh, that's a, oh, man, you started with a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Because, I mean, both of them are kind of equally – like do that and, and that's that's a great prop bet too um i'm gonna say aj brown okay all right all right i'm gonna hold you to that one you know it's on tape you know 
But uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Pull out the tape. But, uh, Pull out the tape. But it is. I'm not, not, not about the tape, but I am. But uh, let's see. Reddick or Fletcher? Who has more sacks on Sunday? Definitely Reddick. Fletcher Cox. Okay. Cool. Definitely, definitely Reddick. Okay. Gosh, you got um, you now, Mahomes. Or, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Default. It could be by default if if Reddick is double team, but I, mm-hmm. I think definitely I think Reddick gets at least two sacks. Okay. All right, all right. Maybe he goes against Orlando Brown Jr. Because, uh, you know, he, he kind of been playing for a contract, but he ain't necessarily been like uh, the shutdown left tackle that everyone thought he would be going there. Right, right. So, um, Mahomes or Hurts? Who throws for more yards? Mahomes, but that's not um, – that may not be commiserate to the game's outcome. But I'll say Mahomes. Okay, all right. Goddard or Juju, who has more yards receiving between those two? I'll say Juju because I think Brown to get more to action. Okay. All right. All right. And the last one for you. This is a, a musical one. I'm pretty sure you'll you'll like this one. We got Lil Uzi Burt, Just Wanna Rock, or Meek Mill, Dreams and Nightmares. Now, I know both of those songs have been talked about when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. So you got to go with one. With this team, Who? which one are you picking? It got to be Lil Uzi Vert. Got to be. Got to leave Meek. <laughs> I, you know, love Meek and everything. Got to keep him back in 2018. That's that's different time, different team. Every every artist, ha- everything song has a season and everything. You got to go with Lil Uzi Vert. Got to go yeah. with it. I want to rock. Got to go with it. I was like, man, I, look, I didn't know what that song was. I've heard this song. You know, I cover, <laughs> I cover, I cover uh, Tennessee State University basketball, so I, I, I'm at the games and I hear this song, yes. and I'm like, and I see the kids jumping up and doing this dance, and I'm like, what is? You know, I didn't. You know, I kind of didn't pick up on it. So I'm like, okay, now I actually, you know. Paid attention, did a little looking into it. And I'm like, okay, this, this song is not bad. Okay, you know, find yourself actually listen, want to move a little bit. Listen, we we both have daughters, and I'm pretty sure they're they're doing the dance now too. So, mine's <laughs> 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 a little older than yours and everything, but yeah, she she picks it right up. But just as far, just from what I've seen with uh, Uzi Vert um, already being. Um, you know, a part of the team running out with them during the NFC Championship game and all, and playing it. Even the Eagles uh, put it on social media and everything. I, I'd be very shocked if that wasn't the song. Gotcha, gotcha. I was very intentional when I kind of put out who was coming on the show this week. I was very intentional with the song I picked, by the way. <laughs> love it, love it. All right. Well, that is the end of the show, and uh, I want to thank you, Mr. OJ Spivey, for coming on the show. Uh, if you can give everyone where they can find you on social media and any things that you are currently working on. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So you can always follow me. I'm on Twitter all the time, maybe too much. Uh, OJ Philly. <laughs> um, that's most of my social channels. Um, OJ Philly on IG. If you uh, want to bother me there. Um, also, uh, <laughs> my Facebook page, uh, OJ Spivey dash journalists. I put up a lot of my, uh, material and, and my articles basically on there. And of course, you can find my work uh, with the Philadelphia Tribune at phillytrib.com. All right. All right. You heard it there. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for coming on, Mr. OJ Spivey. Thank this you, has been Mike. another episode. 
Yes, sir. This has been another episode of Touring the AFC South. Go ahead, tune in, subscribe, like, share, whatever, you know, whatever social media allows you to do. And, uh, you know, we'll see you right back here next week on Touring the AFC South. We're out.